0: I get led to tears when I have strong texts like that. Last night I came in a little early from Erie, and uh, this is a side, it's not in my sermon here, but um, I got a CD player, and we have all these CDs of songs and, and CDs that I, I don't know what's in them. And I started listening to them last night, and some of the texts were overwhelming to me, and I, I just started crying like a baby. Uh, maybe I should grow up. they <laughs> not know. But no, I never want to lose the tears. I never loo- want to lose the wonder of it all, and I hope that you are there too. Well, what's tonight? The Super Bowl. Okay, I'm not going to ask for who you're rooting for or anything like that, but here we are, six months of all this passion and this excitement and following our football gods here on, on, uh, uh, in the United States, and tonight's the Super and I'm excited about the Super Bowl. I've been invited to a Super Bowl party, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to have a good time. But, you know, I'm thinking six months of excitement about the, the gods of football. And in my heart, and I know this will never happen, but I wish it would. Wouldn't it be great if it were 12 months of excitement about Jesus Christ every day in our lives? Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, and that's kind of what we're called to as Christians. That Jesus is our hero. Now, this uh, Peyton Manning is quite a guy, you know, and, and I th- you know, I'm kind of rooting for him tonight. But when you think about Peyton Manning and all that kind of, and you, you compare Jesus Christ and being excited about him, uh, that's where we need to be. So I hope that you are excited 12 months a year about him. Two weeks ago, I started a vision. Uh, sermon. And then last week we had a a great message by Stu McAllister. Uh, But I was preaching on this matter of, and this should be our whole life, but for this year in particular, as I'm your interim senior pastor, that all of us would grow up together in Christ. For 2014, that would be our focus. And so that sermon was Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And the teaching there two weeks ago was, God's will for a church... For this church, every church, is that everyone in the church grows up spiritually so that we all reflect. Did I just have a, a breakthrough here? Did that just get loud? Okay. We need to pray for a new soundboard in, in this church, okay? Because it, it does crazy things. You ever hear this thing? It does funny things. So I'm going to pray we get that uh, thing kind of a new one there. But, so all of us reflect the likeness of Christ in our behavior. And how does that happen? The text says, when pastors and teachers equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, each member, everyone that I'm looking at right now, every one of you, takes measures to grow personally. And as you grow, you start getting next to people and you help them grow. And as you grow and they grow, we all grow up together and build ourselves up in love. So what do I want to see as your senior pastor? In this interim time that I'm here, the number one thing is that you will grow spiritually. Every one of us in this church will grow up in Christ. That no one will settle for being stunted and failing to thrive. That we will all grow and serve others around us here in the church. Now I want to tell you something about myself. And my passion here this idea for 2014 that everybody grows spiritually isn't just one idea out of many I could have that is a moral imperative that is the teaching of Scripture that is what my ministry is all about and if I were into other things and leading you it would be sin for me and not good for you I am here in part what God wants me to do is to help you grow in Christ, and that is my passion. So come back with me, if you will, for a few moments into the 1960s. And I'm in high school, and I've come to know Christ as my Savior, and I have a passion to know Him. And there was this one song that best expressed my heart. It's a song I haven't heard for years, but I put the verse on PowerPoint for you to take a look at it, and it's this. I have one deep supreme desire that I may be like Jesus. My deepest prayer, my highest goal, that I may be like him. And that was my mantra in the final years of my high school. That was my mantra in college and going into ministry. That above everything else, my deep desire is to be like him. Now I've been a pastor for 40 years. It's amazing. I wonder where those 40 years have gone. They've gone in a hurry. But that song also expresses the sentiment of my heart for every church that I pastor, including this one. That I have one deep supreme desire, that you, that every one of you may be like Jesus. And that takes us to the text of today, of the morning. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. I would like you to stand, if you will as I read this short segment from God's Word. Starting in verse 28, Him, that is Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone, you get that thrust? Everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. You may have a seat. Those two verses have been my lifelong ministry verses. This is what it is all about for me. And so what I do in the ministry, my number one goal, is that I might present everyone under my charge, mature in Christ, everyone not just the elders and the staff and other people, everyone mature in Christ. Well, you might be wondering, wait a minute, isn't this passage about the Apostle Paul? How in the world can you apply what's about the Apostle Paul to your ministry? Well, isn't it interesting in verse 28, I'd have to say that Paul includes all pastors and teachers because he uses this little word, we. He doesn't say me, I. He says that we, in him we proclaim that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Now, be talk, before I talk about uh, my life verses here, I, I want to catch the wave right before, especially coming off a of communion, and especially that we're all Gentiles, probably, in this church. The verses leading up to my text today are about the hidden mystery of Christ. This is so exciting. Paul talks about the hidden mystery at length in Ephesians chapter 3, but here, the verses in Colossians are in 25 through 28. I'm going to read that to you. You may stay seated. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now to the church revealed to his saints to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory Christ in you, the hope of heaven resurrection, eternal life So Paul tells us that God made him a a minister of this mystery so he could make it fully known to the church that which was not known in generations before, even to the prophets. Now, this mystery of Christ, you need to understand, is the basic theological message of Paul all through his epistles. And it needs to be our basic theological foundation as a church. And what's more, it ought to be a thrilling message for us that we as Gentiles are included, isn't that good, in, in the plan of salvation of God. So Paul became this revelator of the mystery that God hid from the world until AD 33 and the founding of the church. And this is the mystery hidden even in the Old Testament verse 27 that believing Gentiles can also have Christ in them, which is the hope of glory now until the founding of the church salvation was offered to the Jews and only a few Gentiles and God didn't reveal even to his prophets the mystery that we now know we are privileged people today and so I want to amplify from Paul what he has to say in Ephesians chapter 3 with what we're talking about here for that fuller treatment and the mystery is this believing Gentiles are now heirs together with believing Jews in one body, the church, and we are now both equal partners of the promise of Christ eternal life. Is that thrilling or what? The mystery revealed is that salvation has come to all people and that all believers are on equal footing before God in the body of Christ, which is the church, and that's the gospel, the proclamation of full and equal salvation in Christ to all who believe, regardless of race or nationality. That's the good news of the gospel. Where would we be today as Gentiles without that revelation? We would be lost in our sin. We wouldn't know the marvels of the glories of heaven and Christ. We wouldn't have the hope of glory, that is, of resurrection and eternal life. How privileged we are as Gentiles, and I hope you'll never lose the wonder. Well, that brings us to our text today. As I said two weeks ago in my my sermon, and as I started today, my vision is that every single one of you here at Old North, North, including me, would grow spiritually in this year and for the rest of our lives and as that happens our church becomes stronger now today's text is the role that the minister the role that the pastor teacher has in the stewardship from God that we have been given verse 25 how do these pastors and elders of a church make this happen that individuals grow in Christ together with everyone else it's right here in verses 28 and 29, my life verses. And it's the big idea today, and here it is. Pastors and teachers, and by the way, elders are included in this in in the same sweep of the meaning there, are the catalyst for the spiritual growth of the church. That was the the foundational teaching two weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 4. That's the foundational teaching here in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. So I want to bring you right now this morning into the world of the pastor teacher, into the world of the elder involved in leading the church. And Paul gives us three components that are so important in us operating to bring you to maturity so that we can present everyone complete in Christ. And there are three important components that I want you to see. The first one is proclamation. The major way we as ministers of the gospel mature you is in the preaching ministry. And verse 28 says Him we proclaim. Him, Christ, we proclaim. That word proclaim means to speak forth and make known something. And our job as pastor-teachers, is to make the Word of God fully known to you. Not partially, not some of it, but all of it in its depth made known to you. Verse 25 states that. And God has gifted and equipped certain people to proclaim the Word of God, which is the Bible. And as theologian pastor N.T. Wright says, that the Bible should be properly understood, appreciated, and lived out by the church. That's our job. That the Bible would be properly Uh, appreciated understood and lived out by the church so what's the centerpiece of our proclamation it says right there Him, Christ Christ is the centerpiece of all we do when we stand up here do you know that every single page of the Bible points back to Jesus Christ the Old Testament the New Testament it's all about him the written word is about the living word and we are to get up and proclaim him to clearly preach Jesus and the gospel, which is the mystery revealed in our day. But We got a problem in too many churches these days. The word of God in its fullness is not being preached. There is a trend, and it is not a good trend, that books by good Christian authors are being preached in the church on Sunday mornings and the Bible kind of tucked in and I'm glad for those books and I'm glad for those authors like Tim Keller they are phenomenal books but when Sunday morning comes it's the Bible we should open when Sunday morning comes it's the Word of God that should be proclaimed when Sunday morning comes we ought to realize that the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword not a book written by somebody who is giving a good word to us in that book. It's in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. says, On Sunday mornings and when the pastors get up and preach, our job is to rightly divide the word of truth in front of the people so the Spirit of God can move hearts. 2 Timothy 2.15. Now Paul says, In this proclamation, there ought to be two parts. In the proclamation, two parts. Part number one is warning everyone. You see that? Warning everyone, verse 28. Some versions, maybe your version says admonishing everyone. Now the Greek word there means to instruct via warning and reproof, if you will, to caution people so that their minds are set in proper order. I want you to know that our minds basically are not set in proper order. They're set to the culture of our world. And so we have to stand up as pastors and teachers and warn you, set your minds in proper order. Friends, I, I hope you understand that this world is not helpful for you. This world's system is not your spiritual friend. There are many dangers and snares out there. And what's amazing to me, I can't understand this. How reluctant there are so many pastors to warn you of the pitfalls that are out in the world, that are ready to take you down. They're not telling you that sin's going to hurt you. They're not telling you that sin will shut down your spiritual growth. They're not telling you that sin will ruin your relationship with God and other people that you have relationship with. They need to be warning you about the pitfalls out there. Now, what if I were a cop? And, and and I was put on duty to get before the road where a bridge was out. And I knew that if I let you go by, that you go off that bridge and you'd either die or get hurt really bad. But I wanted to be a good cop. I, I wanted to be a friendly cop. So you go by me, hi. Hope everything's okay. I'm glad it's 30 degrees warmer than it was last Sunday. You know, just hope everything's good. You know, you go by it right down into off the bridge. That would be a very mean thing for a cop to do. And the same thing is true for a pastor who has the word of God, who sees the culture, who sees which bridges are out and refuses to stand up here and tell you, look out, be warned. You can get really hurt. Our job is to warn. Now, I want you to know some pastors don't understand this warning either. They think the idea is to put you on a guilt trip. The idea is to beat the sheep. And that kind, that's not what we're talking here at all. God spares from sheep beaters in the, in the pulpit. But here's the second thing. Not only are we to warn you that it's really tough out there. By the way, how many know you it's, it's tough out there? Anybody? Okay. We're to help you understand how tragic and terrible it is. The second thing is, is to teach, it says. And the Greek word basically means the act of instructing. And for Paul, this means that the teacher, the pastor teacher, is going to take his Bible. And he's going to stand up before his people. And he's going to open the Word of God to a passage or two. And he's going to tell you what it means. And he's going to hopefully, through the power of the Spirit, get you excited about what the Word of God has to say. That you're going to want to embrace it. And isn't it interesting that this is part of the great commission of Jesus that he gave. That we would go teaching. All nations to observe whatever he has commanded. And so part of the ministry of the pastor teacher is to warn you for the pitfalls and to teach you how to obey the Lord and the word of God. And that is our ministry. And when you get those things going in your heart, you begin to mature. You begin to grow in Christ to maturity. And so the major piece... That we have in helping you to mature is this ministry of proclamation, of proclaiming Him, warning and in teaching. And it says here in verse 28 with all wisdom, that is in helpful, not harmful ways for you. Now, the other week, I asked the question, How often do you attend Old North? I was glad to see 82% of respondents said, We come every week. Now, do you know why that's so important? Americans who develop a lifestyle where they come to church just at Christmas and Easter or once a month, or so, they are not under the teaching word of God. And if they're not under the teaching word of God, guess what? They're not going to grow. They're not going to grow. And so I am so thrilled to see here at Old North, 82% of you who filled out, maybe 500 or so filled that out, which is a good sampling, that you are weekly under the teaching ministry so that we can help you grow in the things of Christ. Now to component two. It is presentation. Here's the goal of our proclamation, component one, ministry. Verse eight, that we may present every one of you mature in Christ. And so the major job of the pastor teacher is to preach, proclaim the word of God so that the church grows spiritually so that one day the pastor will be able to stand up and present everyone before the Lord under his charge complete in Christ. Wow, what a responsibility. By the way, the word in Greek for mature or complete does not mean flawless, does not mean perfect. How many of you are glad doesn't mean that? Because <laughs> None of us would ever, ever get there. We'll never achieve perfection this side of heaven. We're gonna to get to that place on the other side, but here it is. We need to be reasonably like Christ. We need to be reasonably like Christ. That's what we're talking about. And you know the best place to be reasonably like Christ, you know where that is? I'll tell you, if you haven't figured this out, you gotta get it. The best place to be reasonably like Christ is not in the church, although that's good. It's at home. And if you are reasonably like Christ at home, Then we know we got the real deal going. And so as we hear and obey the word of God, we come to maturity a little by little each week. And that's on my heart that somehow when I preach the word of God, everybody in the church is going to take a little baby step or a big giant step ahead in their spiritual growth. And they are going to be on a weekly pursuit of spiritual maturity. You see the object here? please understand me. don't misunderstand me. The object here is not that everybody in the church gets saved, as good as that is. We all need to be saved. The object is save people mature. Save people mature. As the Bible calls it once in a while, and it is a good word, they become sanctified. Your sanctification is so important. And what a shame it would be. That if the pastors of the churches stood one day before the Lord to present their people, and instead of presenting mature believers by the thousands, they present people who were 40 and 50 years old, that they were babes in Christ still feeding on milk and in diapers sucking their spiritual thumbs. Can you see that like I can in my mind? I never want that to happen to me. I never want that to be my experience. Hebrews 13, 17 is clear. We as leaders will give an account for the people under our charge. And the author of Hebrews goes so far as to say, let the leaders of the church do this with joy and not with groaning. And so someday when I stand before the Lord, I want to be happy as your name is called. I don't want to be groaning and say, oh no, look at that person. Person after person, immature in Christ. Now in a church the size of Old North, and with the little time that I have, the, the number of months that I have, maybe a year, year and a half, who knows how long that will be. I'm not going to get to know all of you by name. It just simply isn't going to happen. But I, and I won't be able to get it down. But you know what? It doesn't matter if I know your name or not. What matters is if I'm feeding you. What matters is if you're hearing me, that you are growing in Christ, whether I know know your name or not, so that my dream is one day when I stand before the Lord and your name is called. I will see a mature person there and not a baby. At that moment, I want to be able to sing and, and, and get a ringing cheer and for you and say, well, wow, there he is, there she is in complete maturity, not, oh, my goodness, look at that 40-year-old baby. That's, that's a weird look, I'll tell you, so I never want to see that. So this year, it is my hope that every one of you will grow in some fashion, some step forward for you. That's the vision. So that in that familiar slogan, no Christian left behind. Now let me be straightforward with you. My responsibility is to proclaim the word and to present you. Your responsibility is to obey the word and get to work. It is a two-way street here. I can't spoon-feed you to maturity. You've got to step up, and one day you've got to feed yourself, and one day you've got to change yourself, and one day you've got to do all these kinds of things. It goes together. And then if I do my part and you do your part, one day I'll stand before the Lord, and I can present you complete in Christ. But there's a third P that I want you to see It's a component. It, I'm calling it perspiration in verse 29. Mind if I tell you a little secret? Helping believers to maturity is hard work for pastors. I, I don't know if you know that or not, but you know, let, trust me, it is. And Paul captures it well in verse 29 when he says that he toils and struggles in the ministry to see the Colossians come to spiritual maturity. The word in Greek, toil, means to become very weary and tired through work. It often has the sense of you work to the point of fatigue for somebody that you love. I mean, that's what us parents do, don't we? That's part of what we do. That's part of that toil. The other word that he uses is how hard he works to help believers become mature, and the word is struggle. And that word in Greek means to exert painful measures of strength as an athlete does in the games in order to win the prize. And tonight, as you see the linemen get together and they're going to be on that line, they're going to, in that Greek word, we get the English word from, they're going to agonize. They're just going to struggle and agonize with that last ounce of energy in order that they might win the prize. And Paul says, that's what I do. I struggle and toil and I agonize on behalf of the church. I perspire all kinds of drops of sweat. Now this idea that a pastor just works on Sundays and plays golf the rest of the week is not true. Although I did hear of a pastor who bought himself a boat and he named it visitation. And he told his secretary to tell people who called him during the week that if he wasn't available, he was out on visitation. That does happen, but really If a pastor takes his responsibility and this passage to heart, he's going to work hard all day long and all week long and he's going to perspire a whole bunch that you would grow to maturity and it would be hard enough if everybody that he labored for matured. But the reality is, many of the people in the church do not mature easily, even in this church. And far too often, bringing people to maturity in a church is like pushing a rope uphill. Have you ever tried to do that? Pretty hard. It's draining to see believers continue in their sin when they know better. It's agonizing to see families fall apart when parties refuse to take responsibility for their own actions. It's tiring to see people who stop growing, yet they think they're mature. It's sad to see people ruled by their own bad habits and addictions. It's painful to see how easily Christians get offended with each other. It's disappointing to see how many Christians live like this world instead of the holy people of God. And I'll be totally candid with you. We as pastors toil and struggle much of the time because we as pastors have to shovel so much sheep poo. That's very tiring, and we do it in the energy of the flesh. If we do it in the energy of the flesh, we're going to become disillusioned. We're going to become burned out, but here's what saves the day in verse 29. Paul says in verse 29 that even though he wearies himself in ministry with people that are hard to mature, He does so from the supply of energy that he gets from the Lord that powerfully works in him. And the reality is, if we didn't have the power of the Lord, we couldn't do it. And even with the power of the Lord, we get tired, and Jesus did himself. And I know this after 40 years of working with God's people, if I didn't experience and understand the power of God at work in me, I wouldn't be here today. I'd have been on the ash heap somewhere, or I'd be out in the job, maybe like selling cars for Bob and Chuck Eddie, something like that. I wouldn't be here, but the energy of God is in me for 40 years has sustained. So I hope you've heard my heart. I'm bringing this sermon now to a conclusion. I'm bringing it to where I want us to be three times in verse 28 it said everyone 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 this is for everyone nobody excluded and god has sent the church pastors and teachers to assist us to grow by proclaiming the word and by equipping you and helping that the whole church grows together so here's the vision here's the vision i'm calling you to that you will you will commit to taking definite spiritual growth steps in 2014 Not some of you, but all of you. And so to this end, the elders and the pastors are rallying. This is the end that they want to help you in this process as well. Kind of reminds me of that old joke about a light bulb. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? One but the light bulb must really want to change. And so we can want this for you till the cows come home, but you've got to want it for yourself. And so today I'm going to ask right now that the elders and the pastors would come to the platform. Because they said they want you to see that we are coalesced together, that we're leading this movement. That everybody in this church is going to grow. And as they come, they're saying, our hands are in the middle. We are here as people, as pastors, as leaders, to lead the charge that everyone would grow. And let me share with you just five highlights of how we're going to do this. Number one, you all received a commitment card. And I'd like you to fill this out today because I want you to respond today. I really do. I can't conceive of maybe you not coming forward, but that may happen. But, you know, that you would come forward and and say, I want to grow. That's all this is. I want to grow. And so there's three parts. One part for you, one part for a friend that held, held you accountable, and one part for the church. And when you turn this in, then this will help us to know that you are on board. The second thing is that you're going to get a leaf keychain, hopefully next week. That might be a little cheesy, but here's the thing. Every time you pull out your keys and you see that leaf, it speaks of life and that you are going to grow. And by the way, when we get this card in with your name that comes to the office, we're going to make a larger leaf and put them on the walls of the lobby with your first name, not your last name. And we're going to see hundreds of people in these leaf in the name saying, "We're growing together here at this church." The third thing is First and Second Peter. Starting next week, we're going to be in a series in First and Second Peter, and we're going to live in that book for the next four or five months. And it's going to be talking about how to grow together in our spiritual lives. The fourth thing is E100. E100 is the essential 100 stories in the Bible. 50 in the old, 50 in the new. And one of the things that we want to do is that all of us will read the same thing together over 20 weeks. And so there will be five readings each week. And we'll all be reading the same thing together and learning the Word of God together in our own personal devotions. And then the last thing that we're going to do is that we're all going to take some specific personal growth step together, whatever it may be. And we're going to explain those things in the weeks to come. And so the time has come for a response. I'm going to ask you right now to take a pen and to fill that part out, especially that you're going to turn in in just a moment. And that you get ready to respond to this vision. And that you will take a step. And all of that card is, is saying, Pastor Al and leaders, our hands are in the middle with you. We are a team together. We're going to grow together, every single one of us. And we're making that known by making that commitment. You might be saying, well, did this ever happen in the Bible where everybody did this together in the church or in the Old Testament? The answer is several times. For instance, 1 Chronicles chapter 3, we read that the assembly, all the assembly made a covenant with the king, Joash, in the house of God. And what was the, the, the commitment? It was a covenant that they should all be the Lord's people. But listen to this in 2 Chronicles 15, under another king, Asa. In verses 12 and 13, it says, and they, all the people entered into a covenant to seek the Lord with all their heart and with all their soul, but whoever would not seek the Lord should be put to death. (laughs) Can you imagine if they had a service like this back there say, We want your cards? We don't see your card. You're gone. We're not gonna do that. This is all voluntary. But we want you to respond right now. We want you to take that step to say, we want to grow in our own spiritual life and as a church together. And as this song is being sung, could it be that today hundreds of people say, I'm in, hands in the middle for this vision. Could I ask the elders and pastors to go to the tables right now and that you would respond and come forward during the singing of the song and just leave your card that card I think it is the um, for Old North it's this little card this is what you bring forward leave it on the table and you're saying I'm in I want to grow this year see what God will do you come as we sing the elders and pastors are here